Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another rousing rendition of what we like to call the Brethren Podcast. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N, like bread, because we always talking about our bread and we always getting bread. Uh, and as usual, I, myself, A.J. Wilson, am joined by my brethren, uh, Mr. Destrian Wells of D. Wells Consulting and uh, Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. CFP of uh, Loving Consulting, LLC. My brothers, how you all doing today? Doing great, doing great. <clears throat> Yeah, Destrian coming to us from the from the that's outer. Good, that's good. I mean, <laughs> space. I love this. Hey, it's been a it's been a minute. It's been a minute. As 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 everybody always knows, we don't work on nobody's time schedule but our own. Um, the last time y'all heard from us was back in like February, right before quarantine really got real. Uh, and you know, we we still kind of in it. So you know, it's our it's our prayer and our blessing that everybody is. Um, you know, getting through it the best that they can um, and using resources and uh, family and friends as they can. Um, and if you can't, reach out to us. We might be able to put you into the right hands. Um, but tonight we're going to be discussing uh, traditional and alternative wealth building strategies, as well as uh, talking about the racial wealth gap. And we've got a special guest joining us that's going to um, give us some insight um, on that, and that's uh, James Vassar. I almost called him doctor, so you know what that means. You got to go get yourself a PhD, my man. <laughs> uh, but we got James Vassar. We got James Vassar joining us too. Uh, so I'm gonna let uh, James introduce himself, uh, and then we'll do our normal uh, brethren uh, introductions. <clears throat> so you got to unmute James. All right, all right. Uh, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you uh, allowing me some time on this broadcast. Uh, my name is James Vassar. I am. Uh, I got the privilege and pleasure to actually join this broadcast based on uh, my background experience, being a brother in finance and being able to uh, share some expertise. Uh, so my background is in uh, finance, investment banking, um, analysts, asset management. And right now I am uh, becoming an expert. I won't call myself a master trader, but well on my way in the Forex market. So that's just short for foreign exchange market. So about 25 years of experience and the next, last three years of experience and really learning how to take advantage of, I will say, a market that's hidden in plain sight. So appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Awesome. And, uh, I'm excited to delve more into your knowledge bank as we, uh, as we bring that conversation up. Um, but in usual brethren fashion, you know, we don't like to come to these conversations empty handed, um, you know, for kicks, because if you've ever listened to any of our previous episodes or joined us before, uh, Destrian Wales is probably drinking Hennessy. If you know, so let's let's just let's just find out, uh, Mr. Wales, what what did you bring with you t tonight? The usual, regular Hennessy. You know, that's we, we we just tune in to find out whether it's you know which rendition of it is, which version it is. Is it regular, XO, black, white? You know. Yeah, oh, every every the islands that yeah. pure white comes back. Yeah, yeah every so. every now and again he'll throw some Tito's in there to throw us off, and you know we 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 don't fall for it. <laughs> well, what you have to you know you got to realize we we, we've we've been off. We appreciate uh, Hennessy for sponsoring. Been off for a while, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've yeah, been we off had. for a while, man. So you got to be, gotta I mean, be look, careful about which one. Think, look, things still things don't change. <clears throat> things don't change. Hey, that, hey, it's like it's like riding a bike, man. Put your chain on, uh, Doctor Love. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I received a text from you earlier that said you hit the liquor store. L I C K A S T O. Uh, so, so, what did liquor you procure? Stow. 
you know, I kept it pedestrian. So I got myself a, uh, got, my, got myself a, a handle of vodka, Tito's, you know, I'm a traditionalist. And then, but today, right now I'm drinking Jim Bean and Coke Zero because I'm watching my waistline. That's what it's about, folks. <laughs> Hey, for uh, for, for those COVID for those, times, for those of you who don't understand colloquial uh, terms of measurement, a handle is uh, <laughs> a lot of bunch of liquor. Hey, the, the handle is, I believe, the uh, the one point seven five liter uh, uh, of your of your of your favorite uh, beverage or libation. When you um, know you, when you know you're gonna go ahead and go through it, you might as well go ahead and get you the big one and. Yeah. And be yeah. there for me. No, look, you know, no, no more, no more personal pan pieces around here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself a large, man. Uh, Mr. Vassal, what are you sipping on? I actually have some Makers Forty Six. Makers Forty Six, yes, sir. Forty Six is a beautiful number. That's the county of Macon in Alabama. So, uh, and uh, I have, uh, I found my home, uh, and I'm going to stick with it. Uh, so I am sipping on my uncle, Uncle Nearest. Black owned, supported. Good call. Yes, sir. Um, the 1884 right now. I also am uh, partial to the 1856, but I got the 1884 right now. So, you know, that's what I'm on. So, in true brethren fashion, before we start our conversation, raise your glasses. This is a cheers to good conversation, knowledge being dropped, uh, and bread being made. Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah. Cheers. All right. Way to show us all up with the with the black owned. Hey, wonderful. Know, right? Yeah. You know, look, you, you see what's in the background right here. You know oh, yeah, it. no, it's beautiful. It really look, is. Look, look, you know how I do it. I, I you know, I, I gotta floss a little bit because what's about to happen is these three financial geniuses are about to start spitting out <laughs> a lot of uh jargon that a lot of us may not be familiar man. with. And I'm just here to translate and moderate. So Hey, that's what's up, man. All we need is one more look. Hey, four more loaves and, and, and two fishes, and we ready to feed <laughs> multitudes up in here. I don't think and heard that that's how it go. Look, the, the, the least I can do in this conversation is bring a reputable liquor to the table because, <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all about to pull off with the head starts, okay? So, like I said, we're going to be focusing tonight on traditional and alternative well-being strategies. Um, and we're going to start off with Doc to kind of break us, you know, break us in, mm -hmm. uh, give us that icebreaker to kind of start us off. Um, and then we really going to kind of focus on the racial wealth gap. But what I want to do is, as usual, I like to bring in some uh, some facts and figures, some, you know, some common sense knowledge that you can find for yourself. But according to Duke University, um, wealth and income ratios by households with children for every dollar of wealth that a white household has, the black household has one cent and the Hispanic household has eight cent. And in terms of income, the white household has a dollar. The black household has 47 cent and the Hispanic household has 48 cent. Um, so just right off bat, I'm just, you know, one of the things that stood out to me with that is obviously we all kind of know, you know, we know why we're here. We, it's not called the racial wealth gap for, you know, for fun. It's because there is a, a wealth gap between races. And in America, we oftentimes are obviously talking about white and black. And then, you know, everybody else kind of comes in line with that. Uh, but what I found interesting was that Hispanics are doing better than us, according to this. And this is according to Duke University um, uh, with some statistics. But I, I, you know, I found that interesting because I get, you know, personally, I guess I may not have been keeping up with it. And I always thought that, you know, besides white, then it was kind of Asian, 
black and then maybe Hispanics were right behind us or, you know, equal to us. But it's kind of interesting to find out that they are, in fact, slightly ahead of us, not by a whole lot, but slightly. So something has changed or shifted with them and their culture, you know, obviously in the in recent history that is, you know, I guess, pull them slightly ahead. And I think, you know, you three gentlemen will probably be able to, you know, speak to that more. Um, but Doc, I'm gonna throw it to you because I want to, you know, get into this. I want to start with the racial wealth gap conversation because we can address the problem first. And then obviously the the, the wealth building strategies is what's going to be the solutions to kind of close that gap for us. So um, Doc, I'm gonna throw it to you first on mm-hmm. just your overall um you know, understanding and, and, you know, viewpoints on the racial wealth gap from uh, from your standpoint as a uh, PhD in financial planning and a certified financial planner. <clears throat> Check him out at ajamuloving.com, people. Go ahead, man. <laughs> Thanks for all that, AJ. Um, so uh, the wealth gap, as you, as you might rightly expect, exists and is large. You think about it, man. The people who are African-Americans, and we know as African-Americans, at least in terms of their origins here in this country, were brought here as property, right? Bought, sold, stripped of any any real humanity. And even when we were freed, we weren't put in a position of any power or given any wealth. We were basically in a position where we could finally start to get paid for working, right? And that position has not changed nearly as much as you would like for it to have over the amount of time that black folks have been free for a number of reasons, right? It's not as though black folks have not tried to or um, enjoyed the idea of embracing ownership, but If you think about what happened right after slavery, you had Reconstruction, right? And during that Reconstruction period, you had a lot of political and economic activity among Black folks that were owning businesses, that were participating in local and statewide elections and winning and actually representing representing states as representatives in Congress. And then what happened? You had the Klan, right? You had sort of a, a white backlash that served to erode all of the gains that took place then and and then some. And if you think about some of the areas that, um, you know, Myrtle Beach is one that often comes up that people talk about like, man, you know, black folks used to own almost all of this. And you say, well, when was the major sale that took place? When did black folks get together and decide that they didn't want Myrtle Beach anymore? Right. Or any of the things that were, was the same time that black folks got together and decided that they didn't want uh, Black Wall Street uh, uh, in, in Tulsa, right? There was no decision. Things were taken, and this was allowed by the government. And it's important to me to get that out there, right? Because I think a lot of times people look at black folks and say, well, the reason you don't have is because of culturally you have an identity that says that you shouldn't, or black folks don't care, and black folks aren't trying. And that's not true at all. Every single time that, especially in recent memory, we see any black people have any success. What do we see immediately after? A whole bunch of black folks trying to do the exact same thing. If you opened up a record label in 1999, I'm talking to you because everybody was doing it after the success of Master P, right? And Diddy, everybody else was like, wait a minute. Ownership in this field is a way that you can be extraordinarily successful. And you saw people in all these different cities and small towns and everything else trying to get together with the talent 
and and put together record labels. And it's important for me to say these things because when I describe to you the problem of, and, and Arthur <laughs> talked about it earlier about. I think you said once that the good number, the happy number would say that the average black family holds about 10% of the wealth of the average white family. So for every dollar of wealth they have, we have 10 cents, right? And these, these inequities in wealth, when you start to dig into the numbers, start to describe a lot of the differences in quality of life that we experience here in America. Things that they attribute, people often attribute to race and skin color and say, oh, well, this is cultural and black folks don't care about this. And once you start to account for wealth, what you find is those racial disparities often start to disappear. So statistically, we see that a lot of the issues that we see with the black community are more race related. I mean, excuse me, are more wealth related than they are race related. But that wealth and race, especially when you look at what's happened historically, and that's just, I'm just talking about the rust up, the violent seizure of black wealth that happened early on is still impacting us to, the, to this day. Not to mention the exclusionary sort of not explicitly stated you can't be a part of this. We just don't invite you. We don't hire people like you to do investment banking. We don't hire people like you to do uh, to, to work in, in investment sales at all. We don't hire people like you to be in financial planning. We don't hire people like you to be in the upper echelons of real estate, all of these things, right? All of these industries that we were, uh, that folks said, eh, I just don't, I don't see them as a fit, right? All of those things lead to um, a, a network that is deficient in certain elements that can make you wealthier. Right. I know what Destrian does. I know what James does. I know what AJ does. I know what they do. And those things that they do can be advantageous to me in terms of what I'm trying to do next. Right. Because I can talk to them and within my network, I can avail myself to some skill that's going to make me wealthier. And so when you're pushed out of certain industries, when you're kept out of wealth building opportunities, it's a system that sort of feeds itself. And it's important that I say that to you so you recognize that this isn't something that's just going to unwind itself by black people being offered jobs that make similar wages. So even though you see the wage gap starting to narrow, you're going to see much more of a lag when it comes to wealth. In fact, there are studies that show that if things continue on their same trajectory in the year 2043, white people, white households will have on average a million dollars more than the average black household. This is a serious issue, right? This is something that, and this is why I'm, you know, this is why I'm so passionate about making sure black people understand the wealth building opportunities that are around them and not just understand them, but avail themselves of them and, and also work to make those opportunities available for other, other black folks in their network. Right. So we can together start to lift the entire uh, conversation and increase the number of opportunities that are out there for us and really increase the amount of wealth that we have and, um, and, and can transition to the next generation and the opportunities that come along with that wealth. When you think about it, you know, 
spending a dollar is great, right? And you often hear about people talking about the financial power, the economic power of the black community in terms of spending. But having the dollar, right, and having the ability to decide where you spend that, that's also power. That's a lot of power. Having the ability to not spend it, having the ability to have money and, and invest and decide what you're going to what you're going to use to make that next biggest impact. See, that wealth is what is, it's the fuel of the capitalist engine, right? And you can have the car and you can have it tricked out beautiful. And you can have all, you can have, it can be the most beautiful automobile, but if you don't have the gas to make it work, you're just sitting there in the parking lot wondering how come everybody else seems to be moving and you're not. Right. And that's how that's what that's what wealth is in a capitalist society. And when we think about our road to freedom as black folks, a lot of it has been um, designed to get us to be able to have full participation as workers. Right. And there's nothing wrong with full participation as workers. Don't get me wrong. I feel like that is 100 percent important. You ought to be able to do that. But. The problem with full participation as workers without the understanding that ownership is what gives you the opportunity to make decisions, then you're going to be in a position where you're perpetually asking. You're always asking and you're always hoping. You're never deciding when you don't have the, when you don't own. You're always, you're always making a request. You're always hoping that people see your value, right? But when you have the money in your pocket, now you have the ability to pick and choose. You have the ability to decide with whom you work. You have the ability to decide where you're going to place your, uh, your, your chosen businesses, what it is that you plan to do. All of that, all of those decision-making opportunities tend to come from having, having that wealth, right? And so, it's why I press it so much. It's why um, I think of it as extraordinarily important to build it and build it right and do so in a manner that, you know, is structurally makes sense where you have the amount of cash that's necessary, where you have the amount of, uh, of income that's going to be necessary to drive you through potentially through retirement, where you have your money working for you and stocks and other positions. And then even as you start to build these things and think about, other opportunities in terms of making money, right, income-wise, and other opportunity, opportunities in terms of, uh, of building your wealth, man, you need, to, you need to be able to look at all of the things that are out there, just like any other uh, uh, white person would. I don't think that we, in, in the position that we are in, have the luxury of overlooking opportunities that could be potentially fruitful for us right? Especially in the realm of building, uh, building income and building wealth, right? As far behind as we are, if we, you know, I, I looked at it when, uh, I think it was 1980 was when this study was done, when they were, or one of these studies, where they start, first started looking at the differences in wealth, right? And I was like, well, what type of wealth would have been necessary for Black folks to really keep pace, right? And what you find is that, 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 rate of increase in terms of the amount of wealth that they would have had would have been roughly around 7%, right? This is not an inescapably high uh, percentage of interest to earn. Consistent market participation would likely have yielded a similar thing. 
right? But it's important to recognize that consistent market participation in 1980 was not as easily done for a black person as it would be for a white person, not to mention all of the differences that exist when you start to go up and down the socioeconomic um, 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 strata when you're looking at black folks. So the opportunities are there the important thing to recognize, because I think people have this, even though white folks have 10 times the amount of money as black folks, they don't have a lot of money on a household basis either. When you look at the, the, the average black, the average white person, they're not, they're not wealthy either. Okay. But what's important to recognize is that, you know, what they eat ain't going to make us now. <laughs> it's about what we, where we trying to go as a people is going to be based on what we do. Right. And we understand, you know, I've never met a black person who hasn't, at least if I ask the question, do you want to be wealthy? They all say yes. Now, when we start talking about the things that you're going to need to do, the incremental steps you're going to need to take there to get there, that's when we start to get the hemming and hawing from certain uh, folks and you start to see who's committed to actually doing it or not. But the idea of being wealthy, the idea of making the decision on a daily basis. Hey, do I feel like coming to this job tomorrow? Right. And like, it's a, it's an empowering thing when you get to that place where you have enough money, where the decision to go to work every day literally is a decision. Do I feel like, like dealing with these folks today or do I want to start my search for another set of folks to deal with? Or do I just want to do what I want to do? Like at the end of the day, it makes it everything. It makes everything easier when you've put yourself in a financial position to do that. And I think a lot of times it looks impossible, but this is where getting beyond just what it is that you see in front of you now is important. You have to look at, okay, if I can keep my, my bills nice, tight, and small and start to do some of the things maybe the James and Destrian are talking about, or even if it's a small side hustle like Ubering or something like that, there, there's no small side hustles when you start to use that money as fuel to push yourself forward. Man, <clears throat> let me tell you, $5, $5 a day can be extraordinarily impactful in terms of building wealth over a long period of time. So I don't care if you just pick up one Uber ride and make a little bit of money. You put that money to work for you. That's money that's working for you that you are no longer just working for. And now you're in a position where you can start to begin to put yourself in a few years where you're going to be able to call shots. And that's what it's about in this capitalist society in the way that we work here. So that's what I have on that. I could do, I could talk, I tried to keep it, I tried to keep it short. This was as short as I could keep it. This is a very abridged version. I'm kind of proud of myself because normally I can, you know, this is an hour talk. Destrian knows I can go on this one. If you don't cut me off, hey, this so is, I tried to keep, this it, keep the, it short. This is one of the prime reasons why we, uh, we, we, we choose to do this forum in the way that we do it. Because, you know, if this was a very formal you know, uh, Dr. Loving talk at a, you know, a conference of sorts. There's a time limit. Somebody in the back may have a light that says, hey, stop talking. It's like, no, I'm going to let you go, Doc. I'm going to let yeah. you go because, you know, the, the more the more you talk, the more the more knowledge that you spill. And I appreciate you for, you know, giving us that great introduction. You brought up a lot of good points. And um, one of the points that I want to kind of key in on is – the conversation, you know, is, is going to get us towards the, 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 the wealth building strategy portion of it is the barrier.
fear of entry. Um, for you know, to 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 give context of what that is, it's what does it take to you know to get into something? And Doc kind of alluded to it is, uh, as black people, you know, the financial literacy portion is huge for us. You know, we we I, I shared this with you gentlemen yesterday when we, we had our uh, our you know our pre call or what whatever you want to call it. And, you know, growing up, you know, I'm fortunate, I'm privileged, and I recognize my privileges where, you know, I was introduced to mutual funds in the sense of my aunt sat me down and said, hey, I think she had one with uh, Vanguard, and she she got me the prospectus and all the information for it, gave it to me, um, showed me how to find it in the newspaper in the stock section and track it and all of those things. And my uncle also set me up with a Yahoo Finance account to play around with stocks at an early age, maybe around 12, 13. Um but, you know, also with that, because I was introduced to mutual funds first, my barrier of entry in my mind was, oh, you need, you know, thousands of dollars to start. Because at that point in time in the, you know, in the late 90s to get in a Vanguard mutual fund, I think you needed $10,000 minimum to invest. So, you know, in my mind, I'm like, OK, if you want to invest in general, you need $10,000. Uh, but of course, obviously, like you alluded to, Doc, is in this day and age, you got a cell phone computer you can get on Robinhood, stash acorns you know any in every every major banking institution has some you know some connection if they don't have their own trading platform td ameritrade you know we're not endorsing anybody we're just you know it's so you can accidentally start investing in this day and age literally you can accidentally someone could literally right now send you a link you know that says join Robinhood, and you know they're going to give you a free stock you do it and now all of a sudden you're in the game Whereas before this, you know, you know, a lot of people did not know how to even get started. And I think that's uh, that's one of the, 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 the keys of the conversation that, you know, I really want to I want to hone in on for everyone is, and then is, going other is being able to is being able to let people know that the barrier of entry is not extreme as we think it is or as it once was in a sense. It's, yeah. you know. Like, you know, like uh, I think yesterday, James alluded to it as, you know, you can get fractional shares now. You know, you if you would have told a Wall Street banker 20 years ago that people would be able to buy, you know, a piece of, you know, Microsoft or something, they would have laughed in your face probably. Yeah. You know, because whole shares was the, was the king of the thing. And now it's like, oh, no, we can, we'll take this one and we'll just, you know, kind of crowdfund this money together as, a, as, a, as an app or a company. And, you know, James gives us $5, Destrian gives us $5, Doc gives us $5, Agents gives us $5, and now we can go buy, you know, a $20 stock. One share, and each one of them gets 25% of that share. Of course, obviously, there are some caveats to it. You don't get your dividends and things of that nature, but that's a whole other conversation. But I think I want to kind of hone in on the, you know, the, the side of the barriers of entry and people understanding just how truly easy and affordable it is, like you said, Doc, where, you know, if you go pick up one Uber ride and that's your side hustle, you make, you know, 20, 30 bucks on that. Take that 20, 30 bucks, throw it in, the, you know, throw it in a stock account, buy you some stocks, get you some dividends back. And, you know, truth be told, as risky as the stock market can be or is, you're going to always pretty much gain more interest. If it's doing good, than the bank is ever going to give you. Because right now the banks ain't giving nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's important to recognize that there's a, you know, there's a relationship between risk and return. Right. And the more uh, risk that you're willing to take, 
usually the more return ought to be associated with it or you ought not be taking that risk, right? So when you're talking about ownership of stocks, yeah, those, those bad boys are going to fluctuate, right? In terms of their value. If you look at the value of your house, go to Zillow and look at the value of your house from, from week to week, month to month. You'd be surprised how much that bad boy moves around, okay? So in terms of assets, the value changes. What you are acquiring when you are purchasing mutual funds on a monthly basis, you are acquiring those shares, right? And so you you do and you're doing so over time in a long sort of period, right? So if you can start a mutual fund, you can start investing in mutual funds with as little as like fifty dollars initially and fifty dollars a month on on an automatic draw. So that's ten five dollar Uber rides, right? Ten five dollar Uber rides a month that you would, you would have to do on your side hustle to meet that right. But when you start talking about what fifty dollars a month does over you know ten fifteen years, you're talking about serious money built slowly, yeah, right, and doing things in a manner that's that's not really all that sudden and crazy. Also okay, but I'm just saying it's it's the the barriers that were once there are not there in the same way. The barriers that exist for us a lot of times is we don't have the person there to talk to us about the fact that you can do something for as little as 50 bucks in and $50 a month, or you can use Acorn or Robinhood to uh, round up the purchases that you make and, 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 and acquire stock ownership. And, and these things are, are things that could be extremely valuable to to, to anybody, but certainly to black folks who have not, in many cases, experienced some of the uh, stuff that's available in, in terms of uh, the market overall. So I think it's important to recognize how accessible all these other opportunities are, but then to think about, like, man, what stuff have I not even heard of before? Like, that's, I think that's important. There's a lot of stuff, you know, black folks always want to put on something and splash a red bottom like, boom, you ain't even never even, y'all ain't even seen this right here, right? And so, you know, obviously that's what we want is for James to be able to show uh, in terms of stuff, whether, you know, talking about Forex stuff that we ain't even, we ain't even thought of. We ain't, this is the, this is, this, this is the Rolex that you ain't never even seen with the actual Rolex bezel on it that you don't know about. This ain't no pasted on diamonds, right? Opportunities that are out there that as, uh, as the old black folks from my church would say, white folk been taking advantage of for years, not years, years. And, and so it's important to recognize that if you can avail yourself to those things, in addition to doing all of the other things where you put together a smart, well-structured financial plan to, for yourself, when you're starting to think about different elements of risk that you can add to it to really get your returns up, different potential ways that you can make money, don't disqualify some things just because you haven't thought about it before. You know, it's your first time hearing about it. So. I love exactly. to hear what, what what everybody else has to say. I feel like I've been talking too much. Hey, I'm finna uh, I'm finna I'm finna throw it over to Destrian real quick because Destrian, you know, is 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 in a sense in the client facing, um, and you know, not to put too much out there, but he deals with people who are wealthy, um, but you know, coming from where we from and uh, being of our hue, we know people who do not have, so we know the we know the spectrum of wealth. Uh, where we are, you know, we can relate to people who have it because we're in the rooms with them. And we also know people who do not have because we we've lived with them. We know them. We, you know, 
we're not far removed from it. Um, so, uh, Destrian, I definitely want to pass it to you to just kind of, you know, give us your your piece on, you know, the barriers of entry and what 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 you think attributes to it. I mean, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we're all you know got going to kind of agree on everything. You know, what what attributes to it, but just from your standpoint. Um, you know, being client facing and, you know, dealing with people who are wealthy, um, but also knowing people, you know, who are not uh, financially literate in the same sense. And this is something that I definitely want to put this out there. I want to put it right now. It just popped in my head. There are, we're being real tonight because this conversation literally applies to us, people that are in this room, this virtual room right now, black people. There are white people who we look at and think are wealthy that are not financially literate. There are systems in place that are set up for them to not screw up. Trusts are one. That's a whole different conversation that can be, you know, talked about. But, you know, there are financial uh, institutions and methods in place that, you know, you can give a 27-year-old white boy who, you know, does nothing but party and drink a million dollars and there's ways that he cannot screw it up. You know, there, you know, there are ways there, there's inheritances and, you know, things of that nature, trust. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want the conversation to be framed as like, Oh, white people got it all together. They don't, no. they do not. No. There are just yeah. systems in place that benefit them that at some point in their family, somebody understood that system and put things into place to where it's all, you know, it, it takes work to screw it up. Let, Man, let me just put it like that. That's the nice thing about wealth is that wealth begets wealth. You know, it, it if you have, if you have money invested, then it's, it, it's, it's working for you and it's creating more money. There's lots of compounding going on it. And there are lots of ways that you can legally set things up so it can't be destroyed. And I'm a man. Let me go ahead and let let Destrian talk about this because he sees this on a daily basis with a lot of the uh, exactly the, the folks that he works with. I'm sorry, I jumped in and got excited about that. Sorry. Hey, no, when, when the spirit moves, you go ahead, DJ, because the spirit the spirit moving doc right now. But go ahead, DJ. Just you know, speak to those points if you can, man. Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, Doc is the PhD, and uh, for those who don't know, Doc is the uh, first African American male PhD personal personal finance in the uh, in the country so when he talks uh, I think we all would be wise to listen now um, from from my perspective I think one of the things that we have to get beyond as a culture is this idea of extra money right and so I hear a lot of people say here's what I'm going to do with my extra money so let me say this tonight um, let me be clear about it there's no such thing as extra money all money has a purpose and I think that's where we begin the process of evolving um, what I would consider our value system, right? So money has value, but people should have values. And I think we've talked about this a little bit on a prior episode. I think it was around breaking generational curses. So just to borrow a little bit from that episode, what are our barriers to entry? Well, those things have changed over time. So we go back to the early 80s, right? In the early 80s, you heard Doc talk about it. You talked about it. You literally had to pick up the Wall Street Journal. You had to have a subscription. You had to have all these things in place. You really needed to know where to find the information, how to go about doing it. And if you didn't know someone that was doing that, you probably were going to miss out on that. You capitalize or compound this situation with, you know, systemic type issues, racism, um, socioeconomic issues, the uh, 
uh, social political, the geopolitical landscape and things of that nature. And you end up with communities who for long periods of time, not all the time, but for long periods of time have been disenfranchised or disassociated from the wealth building process, right? So you can go back and see the lineage of folks who were participants. And I think one of the things that it takes is participation. So we go back to a Tulsa, Oklahoma, a Greenwood, or even where Central Park is currently built in New York and study what that was, right? So from a historical context, we do not come from a culture of people who were frivolous, right? We were able to do more with less than anyone. So some of the master accountants of the world will never get credit for being exactly that because they were, you know, mom and dads and running a, running a small business. So we don't come from a lineage of, of waste and futility. So that's number one. So in terms of barriers of entry in present day is really a mindset. So when we think about what we need to do versus what we're willing to do, we have to close that gap in order to address this racial wealth gap, right? So we are a consumer culture. So people come in and, and I, I say people because it's all cultures. The, um, the black experience is monetized and exported out of the community at astronomical rates. We also spend money with um, individuals that maybe, you know, we think uh, are, you know, uh, some type of status symbol or what have you. And, and I'm not saying that we should have nice things, but I know personally that the mindset is sometimes we want to show other people that we can simply afford it. And so, again, by doing so, we have to realize there is no such thing as extra money. So one of the key barriers to entry to overcome is habits. So you've been taught habits generationally, whether you think you have or not, you have acquired these habits. The first thing you got to do is look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself, right? So we talk about going from being good to being great. That's a, that's a habit-breaking exercise. So the, the barriers to entry at this point are very low. Access to information is available for everyone, but your only competitive advantage is how can you capitalize and implement that information into your life and as many people around you as possible. We often talk about the fact that the people that you spend the most time with, the five people, you're going to become the sixth one of those people. So I choose to spend my time around people like you all because it's going to challenge my thought process, but it's also going to encourage and inspire my value system, right? What's my value system and how do I perceive value and what do I do with that once I have it? Now, um, this is this is a kind of a linear topic, right? You mentioned earlier, why are we lagging behind? How have other cultures that maybe we thought were disenfranchised similar to we were, how have they made up part of that gap and then um, also widen the gap between us and them? It's group economics, cooperative economics, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not necessarily saying in, in which format or structure you have to exercise it, but those individuals do. You know, they will live together and they will save money together and then one person will buy a home and then the next person will do it and the next person will do it. So what they are doing is, that, is exactly what Dr. Loving spoke about. They're creating equity. Right. Equity equals ownership. Ownership equals freedom. So while we profess to be free or free-ish, we can never be truly free until we have equity, ownership, and inclusion. Those are the things that really put us in a position to have or leverage the economic power that we have. 
if we are the um, consumer base of the world, that means that people are standing on our backs. If we come the investment base of the world, that means that we're standing on the shoulders of others. So I think that from a barrier to entry standpoint, those barriers have come down and they're very low. Now it's about getting ourselves educated. So let's talk about what it is and be honest about, here's what I don't know. Find a person or a resource such as this group of individuals who can connect you with others and then leverage those skill sets or expertise. You know, we should not be learning by trial and error at this point. We should be learning by associating ourselves with a person that's an expert in that field. Um, for anyone who's listening right now, if you're looking for a place to, to find uh, or, or connect with uh, Black-owned businesses or Black-owned professionals who have a litany of, of, of uh, talents and skills that they're willing to offer you, find the group on Facebook that I'm affiliated with and several of us are affiliated with. It's called Black Dollars Matter. And um, I think that is something that we have to continue to do. Now, let's be clear that because we are championing the economic, um, I, I would say economic graduation or evolution of people who look like us, we are not excluding the dollars or the behaviors or partnerships of others. And those two things are not always mutually exclusive. And I think that we have to understand that we need to bring in allies to, to help build along the way. But what we should not allow those folks to do is be uh, culture vultures and capitalize off all the work that we're doing without us having equity and ownership. So we've, we've given away too much and we need to take more of it back. So the barriers of entry, again, go back to a mindset, breaking habits. And when you look at basic things, like you talked about, inheritance plays a key part. Um, not only does the inheritance play a key part, but again, the way that inheritance is set up. So when you allude to the fact that someone can't blow it or mess it up, uh, for me, this is what Alan Iverson's advisors did for him. They said, you know what? He's a, he's a consenting adult. He's making his own money. He definitely deserves to spend it how he wants to, but he doesn't understand right now. So let's do something for him and airmark some of this money, put it in a trust, put some of this money away for his kids so that when he wakes up at 50 and he realizes, Jesus, I was really frivolous for about 20 years there. He still has 40, $50 million that has been working for him in the background and his family is still set. So I think that's what you mean. It gives you a longer runway to grow up from a, from a, from a mental aspect where you can handle wealth because wealth is responsibility. It doesn't come your way by chance. There are business building and wealth building activities that you have to do to start to generate those things. And I think as a culture, we also have to get beyond the place where we are able to identify strategic risk, right? So meaning every opportunity that comes your way may not be for you, but every opportunity that comes your way is not someone trying to scam you. And I think we have missed out on major industries and major cultural shifts because we have been taught to fear each other so much because other people have capitalized and marginalized us in ways that creates that uncertainty. Just because you lose money on an endeavor doesn't mean it was a scam. It was a strategic risk. If you made a good decision based on the best available information, that's no more than a trade. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, 
but you can't win if you don't participate. Participation is key. You know, that is how you keep up. That is how you're able to not fall behind. And I think those are the key things that, uh, that, that really, um, you know, I see every day. Those are the things that families with wealth are doing. And I'll say this, and I, I would love to hear what James has to say about it, because, you know, James and I met, we originally met um, based on a, a, a work relationship, working for Fortune 500 companies, and we started to talk about these things amongst ourselves as well. But what you see from, from families and, and, and large clients around the wealth, they also don't tell their children how wealthy they are, you know, it, and it's, it's a scary proposition, but because of the things that AJ talked about, those trusts, those types of provisions and protections they've put in place, they can't blow that money for, you know, 15, 20 years. We don't have the luxury of doing that. So we have to transfer our values to our children and to our relatives today. You know, so if something were to unfortunately happen to you, that's untimely, they understand your value system and what it took for you to build that so they don't squander it over the course of a few years. In fact, they become more astute about it and maybe they go out and create a holding company, other pass-through entities where they establish something similar to a family bank and they are able to keep that ongoing. They go out and make sure everyone is insured, get a family policy, an umbrella. You know, these are things that we see on a day-to-day basis, but James, I, I don't want to. I don't want to take all the time up. What, what do you see from your perspective? Because we work in the same industry, but we're coming to the coming to the table from different sides. Hold on, real quick, James. For James, for you start, because DJ, you 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 almost you almost had me have the organ player and the drum player <laughs> play okay. that play that play that well known tune that gets them that gets them going. Because I, uh, I just want to reiterate some points you had because. Uh, um, you and Doc did a great job of, of 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 combining, you know, the the explanation of why we're here right now, what we're talking about. And James is, you know, what I want James, what James is going to do is James is about to, you know, give us some insight into, you know, one of these things that people don't even know about to where we we're seeing it now. Uh, he's going to do that. And then, you know, I'm talking about Forex, but I do want to address one uh, one of the uh a question we had from one of the one of our live listeners uh ken uh ken said uh obviously thank you to all of us you know who are participating in this and you know for the inf- uh, information uh he wants to know what's the first step to begin building wealth do you invest in stocks bonds or something else um me personally i want to address that be- uh and you know obviously uh Destrian, uh, Dr. Loving James, I, I'm pretty sure we see this question all of the time. This is, and this is, uh, you know, for me, I don't work in finance. I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you can see my finger, but you know, I relay those questions to these people, you know, this is my power circle. These are my finance people. Um, but one thing that I want to, I want to relay as a person who is not in finance, obviously um, to you is there is no real right or wrong thing to do. It's, it's like, it's kind of like what DJ alluded to. It's you seek the information and then you make the best decision for you. Um, me personally, I started out small. I, you know, I got a Robin hood account. Um, my bank, I bank with ally and ally had, uh, an agreement with capital one investing, which is now switched over to E-Trade. 
but you know, it made it easy where I could, you know, auto send, you know, five, 10, $20, you know, every direct deposit or every month or whatever from my bank account straight into my investment account. And, you know, from there, you know, you, you, I started reading up on, you know, dividend paying stocks because that's, you know, that's my personal uh, investment strategy is I want dividends. I want companies to pay me monthly, quarterly, or yearly for helping them out basically. Cause that's what a stock is. A stock is, you know, this company is like, Hey, loan us some money and we either going to do good and give you something back, which is a dividend. Or, you know, if we do good and the stock goes up, then, you know, you profit off of it. Uh, so that was my personal investment strategy, but you know, that's, that's kind of the thing, but I'll let, um, I'll, I'll let, I'll, I'll let doc kind of, kind of speak to that okay. because doc is a certified financial planner <laughs> All right. and has so. a doctorate in financial planning. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, First of all, and that's a really good question, right? Because wealth is, wealth is when built right, it, it's, it's a foundationally sound process, okay? So the first thing that you want to do is make sure that you have enough of an emergency fund, right? Because it, think about it. If you put money in the stocks of things that fluctuate in value and then you get a blowout in your tire, what happens? You can't, you, don't, you never know how much you're going to be happy be selling that particular share of stock for to try to, uh, to to fix a blowout of a tire, right? So you have to have enough money, right? You have to start saving at for um, a rainy day. And sometimes it can rain a long time, recognizing that right now it's been raining for a while for a lot of people, right? So um, the three to six months of of expenses saved up, is a thing that you hear people talk about in terms of the amount of emergency fund that you want to have, right? But it's not like you have to remain static while you're trying to put together that emergency fund. Most people, while you're working, you probably have a 401k. And guess what? If you're doing it right, then you're probably, especially if you if you are in a position where you're, you know, our age or, you know, even younger, even older, right? The, the fact is you're going to need some stock positions or stock mutual fund positions in those, in those uh, uh, types of um, uh, assets. So the fact is a lot of times people are like, well, how do I get started investing? And I'm like, well, you already are. I look at your 401k. You've already started. You just are accumulating assets that are going to be able, that you plan on using during retirement but you've already started. And I think it's important for folks to recognize that as people start to get nervous and think, oh, if I start investing, it's going, my whole world going to change. I'm, I'm scared of what's going to happen. I'm just, I'm income oriented. I just think about it. So it's like, hey, you've been doing it already. It's already over that. You didn't even think about it till I brought the statement up, right? So you, right, right. A lot of times that's, that's how it goes. And so even as um, you're accumulating that, um, that emergency fund, and in many cases, and this is an important part of it, paying down high interest debt, not necessarily your student loans or paying off your house and all the rest of that. I know people talk about, oh, you got to pay everything off. No, I don't believe that. Debt is a tool. You can use low interest debt on things that are going to uh, be used to secure assets that are going to accrue at a higher value. Companies do it all the time. It's what disciplined people do with debt and disciplined companies do with debt. So, yeah, student loans make sense. There, I said it. 
right? Now, they don't always make sense no matter what, but for the most part, for most black folk, where it's like, okay, you're going to get this college-educated type of salary, or you're going to get something that you can get with a high school diploma, most of the time it makes sense to get that degree. How much you spend on it and how much your payments are going to be servicing the debt are things that you need to be thinking about because that's all a part of your overall financial process, right? Because you're going to need to be able to pay down that debt and keep it, uh, keep it uh, at a manageable amount, keep your consumer debt, all of the credit card stuff, right? You want to keep that as minimal as possible because you're looking at 20% interest on those. And I'm just talking about the overall whole picture when it comes to building wealth. Because if I tell you, you can talk about Forex, you can talk about stocks, you can talk about exotic options, but if you don't have your financial house in order in terms of spending less than you make, right? And having saved up a decent amount of money so that when stuff goes sideways, you can handle it, then you're going to be put in a position where you might be forced to buy high and sell low. And what you are always trying to do is put yourself in a position so that the financial instruments that you are using and your current financial situation is most likely going to put you in a position where you can continue to buy low and eventually sell high, right? And even, even though there's a lot more uh, shorter time stuff that James is going to talk about, at the end of the day, James is talking about a whole bunch of trying to buy low and sell high to get to make money, right? That's what it's all about. But you have to have your financial ship in order, to be able to do some of these things that we're going to talk about and do them effectively over time without sabotaging yourself. Right. So it's a whole bunch of discipline over time. Basically it's like, okay, we're going to pay down the debt. We're going to keep our, keep our credit cards in order, keep everything in a position where we can, where we can pay stuff off. We're going to start buying, you know, obviously I'm acquiring shares in these mutual funds through my uh, 401k plan. And maybe I've started also doing some, uh, you know, a few hundred dollars a month in mutual funds. And now I say, Hey, I I got something else. I want to try some things that I want to do. To, to, because I believe. Here's the thing. I, be, I believe that God has put me in a position where, by virtue of this hard work that that I'm doing and this faithful sowing the seeds, God gonna put you in another position where you can sow some more seeds in different ways, right? And you can demonstrate that faith, and you can end up in a, having another harvest from a different direction. That's that's back in the agrarian times, that's what it was. It wasn't about just getting a big yield out of the fields you have. All us were old black folks in our families. No, they started with a patch, and then what happened? Oh, well, you know, they had a good harvest come in. Granddaddy ain't spent all that money on shiny shoes and out that, you know, it was some juke joint money in there probably. Right, but that's what did he do? Oh man, they bought they the awesome. neighbor farm was selling twenty uh, acres. Boom, they bought another twenty. Then what happened? Oh, they had some is, good a preacher, man, man. What they do? Oh, they went and they bought some more land. Now you got somebody. He 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 old. He got a big hat, Cadillac. He's like, well, yeah, but it's not. It, he ain't get the money from buying big hats and Cadillacs. What happened? He did the discipline thing. He did the sowing and the reaping, and he did it over time. 
And now he got a big hat and a Cadillac. And they call him Big Daddy. He got gold, too, right here. All right, you got to turn him hey, on, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, so, hey. They call him Big Daddy. They call him Big Hey, Doc going to force me Doc gonna force me to learn how to play the organ. <laughs> just for him. Because right. if, if this man ain't a Mississippi <laughs> preacher, I don't know who he is, man. So he ain't even from Mississippi, man. <laughs> it really is about just build, building it over time. And then you get to the place where you can start to do some things and say, all right, now that, now that I'm starting to see how my overall, because in, in Destrian City, man, this stuff doesn't happen on accident. You can set everything in place once you're already wealthy, right? So that your right. kids don't mess it up. But when you're in the process of building wealth, you're going to have to be intentional, right? You're going to have right. to make sure True. that right. you've, you you look for all of the potential uh, issues that can happen. You have the life insurance, you have the medical insurance, you have insurance, you know, you got the in case stuff happen insurance, right? In case right. that... Because what's going to... I mean, what's really going to happen is, you know, if you jump into the investment game and you end up doing good and you haven't, you don't have your financial house in order. Like doc says, you're going to end up taking what you make to pay down your debt. You know, you know, you can, you know, and, and James is going to talk about Forex for us, which is something that we're seeing a lot. You know, you can hop in Forex and, you know, accidentally come up on real money. But if your finances ain't in order, you know, overall, what's going to happen is you're going to take that profit that you made and now you're paying debt, which Man. means you ain't make nothing. There's you you, no you, 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 you you're operating out of a this, deficit. You can't fake the system out when it comes to getting wealthy over time. You trying no, to you trying to get trying rich to, quick. Get rich quick was a phrase that was created to the for suckers. Right as <laughs> big as Biggie said, <laughs> all right. that money I stacked was all that money for bail. All you see when you trying. Hey, let me tell you something. Get over. Let me tell you, you something. You can you can walk up to somebody right now and it's. <laughs> It's it's one of those is you know it comes in meme format in, in in today's age where you you ask people, uh, would you rather have, you know, a million dollars right now, re, yeah, a credit score, or would you rather have two hundred fifty thousand dollars right now, or would you rather have you know a penny compounded over fifty years every single day, or would you rather have a million dollars up front? These kind of questions, and it's like that's when you realize like okay, financial literacy is a real thing, yeah. because oh, yeah. some people don't know what compound interest is. You know, every time I see the meme, as 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 asinine as it kind of is, I kind of sit there and I always do the math, and I'm like, okay. That and thing. I, you know, and most of them, it's like, okay, if you plan on living another twenty years, it's best that you take the option that most people aren't taking, because that's gonna, you know, that's gonna yield more. And you know, that you know that that the, the whole conversation goes on. So, but DJ, 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 gonna DJ yeah. finna tee up James because I'm itching. <laughs> I'm itching to hear about this. I'm itching to hear about this. This what, what, what James got to give us because James got right. the shirt on and say eat, sleep, and trade. And I, I've already ate. I took a nap today. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm trying to do the next. I'm trying to do step three. But DJ, DJ, DJ want to tee James up. Uh, you know, what I'm saying he want right. to introduce him like you know the Chicago Bulls in '98 coming out oh, coming out Jordan. of the gate. This is Jordan. So, but uh, real quick, I, James. I, you know, uh, not James. Ken. I hope we. Um, you know, kind of answered your question. Just it's really just reaching out, finding the information, and making the best decision for you and your household. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, the three people that's on here besides myself, they're rich. They may not necessarily be wealthy. They're rich. They're rich. Look at it. Look at it. Doc got look. Doc. Doc has pictures. Doc has pictures on his wall in frames. Everybody don't have frames. <laughs> <laughs> no, but DJ, DJ, go, DJ, go ahead and see James up, man. James, we, James, we ready for you. All right, brother, I appreciate you. 
man, one, what I wanted to say is two things, right? So I know Ken personally, right? And Ken is a very astute, astute gentleman. And what Ken does is he knows what he doesn't know. We talked about that earlier. So he asks questions and then he acts on it. So he doesn't ask questions uh, for, for no apparent reason. He's looking for actionable information. And so that's what we're hoping that we're bringing to the table, actionable information. So I just kind of want to piece things together before I give it to James, because again, James and I, I sit on opposite sides of the table and those relationships from, from a professional standpoint can become very adversarial, right? Uh, I need to get more from James's company than, than James is getting from mine. But what James and I were able to quickly establish when we met each other was the fact that we talked about it earlier. We said if we practice cooperative economics with each other, both our careers will likely take off behind the deals that we can make using other people's money. <clears throat> so there's no, no greater testament to cooperative economics than the fact that James has since moved on to another organization and is doing extremely well. I've continued to be highlighted and uh, profiled in my organization and, um, you know, my personal businesses are doing well, et cetera. <clears throat> What I wanted to say is this, man. So we, we're asking the question, what does a financial plan look like? What is the first step in building wealth? What I, what I perceive in the first step is look at yourself like a business. You will make firmly different decisions for a business than you would make personally. And generally speaking, the, the, the decisions that you make from a business building standpoint are more sound because they're coming from a, a place of fiscal responsibility and strategy as opposed to emotion and impulse. So that would be the first thing that I would say. And then all the things that Dr. Loving highlighted. So James, what I want to come to you, you know, as a, as a trusted friend, advisor, business partner, um, you know, we, our families have gotten to know each other over time. And this is a different relationship that you tend to form with, uh, with clients or what have you. And it's, it's, it's great to be able to bring you, you into this fold, but definitely share what you see, even from when we think about access, right? From a from an access standpoint, how many of the people that are calling on you walk through that door at said firm that you're at now or said firm that you were previously at that even look like me or have the position that I have to then take the information back to people who look like us? Um, as an aside to that, what James is going to talk about is we've talked about a lot of the traditional means, right? We talked about a lot of traditional means tonight. So, you know, please, by all means, if your company has a 401k, you should at a minimum be saving what the company offers to match. So don't give away free money. <clears throat> Number yep. two, please make sure that you go get yourself and your loved ones um, insured. So take those basic measures. Number three, um, well, probably number one, as Doc said, make sure your emergency fund is together. We don't know when there's another COVID situation. We don't know if layoffs are coming. Make sure that you have your cash fluid in, in some way or cash liquid. Um, one of the more important things I can tell you is protect your credit. We often think about paying down debt. Keep your debt below 25%. Um, if you can keep your debt below 25% across all cards, you're typically going to be in a safe zone. You know, I, I, run, I run the risk of being slightly over that uh, myself from time to time. But I also know what I don't know. And I seek help from professionals and spaces that, that where I have skills, they have talents. And we have to understand the difference 
between skilled and talents. I can train all my life to be skilled at something. Someone with a natural talent is just going to be better at that than me. And I need to adhere to that, and I need to partner with them. With that being said, what we wanted to do tonight was bring James on to talk about some alternative strategies to help us make up some of that racial wealth gap, right? And um, one of the key perspectives here is a lot of us think about our risk appetite versus our risk profile. Some of us have an appetite for risk that's extremely low, but that doesn't mean that where you are in terms of your age and your time horizon, meaning when do you need the money versus what you're going to um, invest now, it doesn't mean that you can't take on more risk. And with some strategic risk comes a greater reward. So James is going to walk us through that tonight and we're happy to yield the floor to you um if you need to bounce it back to us happy to do that but the floor is yours brother all right first of all i appreciate being on this platform uh thank you for uh welcoming me into the fold so i, I definitely uh don't take it lightly um Destiny and i we go back you know now probably close to six years and we've developed a relationship and one of the things that i wanted to address uh was the fact that uh like Destiny talked about in our industry in asset management you know, dealing with, you know, mutual funds and ETFs and 529s in that space um, where I'm a client and he's the distributor, it, 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 uh, it's not a lot of us, right? It, you, you don't see us. But our hue is not represented at all. I, I would say single digits, low single digits. In my lifetime, like even when we have these collective uh, 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 conferences, it still is, a, it, it pales in comparison to, the broader market, which I'll tell you what, one of the things that I almost feel like we're privy to something right now that we do get a chance to go back and share with our friends and colleagues, uh, family members, uh, if they'll listen to us. Now they respect, they, 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 they know we work in finance and they don't know exactly what we do, but if they listen to us, we're telling them these little known secrets that oftentimes you don't get if I weren't in that space, I would not even know myself unless someone brought it to me. I think the, the takeaway from that is exposure. You, sometimes you got to be exposed and sometimes it's not from us. You know, hopefully it is, but sometimes it's just not from us because we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Exposure is important. And so we got a chance, Destiny and I, to, to, to develop a relationship and learn from each other. And actually, to, to this point, uh, help our careers out, right? So we were able to form some partnerships that, that allowed us to do some significant things. And I think, I, I think raise a level of respect in our respective organization for what we were able to accomplish. So I want to just put that out there on the table since you asked me to address that. So, uh, but you, I, I was taking some copious notes, uh, sir. So, uh, so one of the things, you know, going back, you, you said uh, culture vulture. And, I, and I'm like, I never heard that before. I know what it is, but um, a, a lot of times, you know, we, we are getting, you know, pimp for our talent, pimp for our, our culture and what we're able to do, um, which, which is surprising why there's underrepresentation of, of us in the, in the space of finance and, and asset management. Because you know how we do when we do, when we do get into a space and there's an even playing field, we, 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 we usually dominate, right? Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, it, it is the foreign exchange market, but I did have a couple of things that I did take notes on that I wanted to, to, uh, to talk about. 
So regardless of where you start, just to address uh, the person who had the question about where do I start and how do I start, you know, first of all, I would say take a personal assessment of where you are right now. A lot of times it's, it's, it's uh, we're in a position or not in a position to really take advantage of opportunities because we've dug ourselves in, in holes for whatever reason, habits or lack thereof, not being disciplined, whatever the case may be. And so if you dug yourself in the hole, one of the first things you want to do is stop digging. Stop digging. So, you know, in order to really invest in a market adequately, you do have to have what's called discretionary income. You have to have money that you can stand to lose. It can't be household income. And oftentimes we're in a position not to take advantage of opportunities because we're so, you know, burdened down with debt. So we have to stop spending crazily. And if you can cut things out and hopefully the you know, the good thing about what, what we are seeing globally is that you're not able to really go out anywhere. So you should be saving money unless you're, you know, pointing and clicking and buying stuff on Amazon. You should be able to start to start to weed down some of your debt so that you can have an extra whatever that might be in order to, to start to invest. Uh, so stop digging. Uh, and, and here's the thing I would say about that. Uh, you know, oftentimes it might have, you might have to have some help <laughs> because uh, I'm just being honest with you. You might have to have some help and don't think it's going to happen overnight. You didn't get in that amount of debt. Um, and, and, and overnight, it took a, a while for you to accumulate that debt for the most part. So think about it systematically. You can start to pare down that debt. And we have resources now uh, from, from black owned organizations that are able to help you kind of do some of that. And I'm not an expert in that space by no means, but I do, you know, I, I'm really a, a, a stickler on my finances. So I just want to put that out there before I go right into my topic on really uh, investing in, in a, a market that I would say is little known, a little known market that this, it just happens to be the largest, most liquid financial market on the planet. And most people don't know. You ask not 10 people, nine out of 10 have no idea about the foreign exchange market, just flat out. You ask them what is Forex, and they're going to think you're talking about a T-shirt size, just flat out. They don't have no idea what the foreign exchange market is. Yet, they participate in it every single day. Why do I say that? Because if you have a bank account and a savings account, where do you think your money's going when you put, that, put your money uh, in the bank? They lend it out. That's the first thing they do. And then the second thing is they invest in the, in the foreign exchange market. And the foreign exchange market is the largest financial market on the planet. The banks actually are the largest market makers. They're the largest market participants in the foreign exchange market. But what is foreign exchange? Just a quick, you know, uh, education lesson here real quick. All foreign currency and all foreign exchanges is exchanging one currency for the next. But it happens simultaneously. So the last time you traveled out the country, if you did, if you went to Mexico, you would have to exchange your U.S. dollar for the Mexican peso, right? And there's an exchange rate. It might be 180 pesos would equal one U.S. dollar. But that 180 pesos is based on an exchange rate, and that can fluctuate. I liken that to the stock market, right? The price of a stock fluctuates on a daily basis. Well, the price of currencies fluctuate on a daily basis, right? So if that, if that's, you know, if that was foreign to you, that, well, let me uncover a little bit more, right? Currencies don't trade by themselves. So if I wanted to buy the Mexican peso, I can't just buy the peso. It's, 
it's one currency versus the other. So I'll give an example. If you're going to Europe, you exchange the euro for the U.S. dollar, vice versa. And that would be a pair. So currencies trade in pairs. That's why I kind of put that out. There. Not to give you a whole Forex education right here on this, on this platform, but just want to make you guys under, aware of some things that you may not have known. Because prior to really getting involved in this space, I knew that I exchanged my dollar when I, when I went out the country. I knew that the Mexican peso doesn't spend in the United States. You have to convert it. I knew that much and that was it. But when I found out that you can make money by trading on a platform like your, your cell phone, a tablet, or a laptop, um, and downloading free apps and be able to place a trade, place an investment, right? As long as you know what direction the trend is going, you're able to place an investment and make money right from your cell phone. That's called active income. So it's unlike the mutual funds and your 401k that Dr. Loving and everyone has been talking about, where that's a passive investment. You're investing systematically through your contributions from your paycheck, and someone else is doing the work for you. Some portfolio manager, some plan provider, plan sponsors doing it, making the buy-sell decisions for you, right? But you're at the whim of their expertise and knowledge and, and the market, to be honest with you, right? And that's great. But in the 401k, unlike everything else, you only make money in the 401k if the market continues to go up, right? And what happens when, not if, the market goes down? Well, your whole portfolio goes down with it as well. Now, there's some certain, you know, and I know Desperate's like, well, that's not true. And some of it, 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 it you can have a, a well-diversified portfolio and you can mitigate some of the, 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 the uh, volatility in the market. Yes, but... You know, you ask those people who were about to retire in 2008 and their market, their, their portfolio went down 51% and they were going to retire. And all they knew was what they knew. I just need to put my, I match my 401k, my employer's matching me. I'll dump my money, my 401 you know, I'll do that. And as they got older, they, they got out of equities, got into fixed income and what have you. So they had a more conservative portfolio, but even fixed income, which is bonds, even they went down. Right. And some por some some portfolios, if in a retirement account, because a retirement account is, supposed to, is real protected by a litany of laws. Right. You can't do real speculative type of investments in a, in a retirement account. Right. They're, they're trying to protect your income and protect, protect your nest egg. So you're not able to take advantage if the market goes down. You just you just take it. <laughs> you just take it. So you have to find a way to. To, to be able to make money if the market goes up or down. That's what the foreign exchange market allows you to do. Now, I said a lot, but this is in a nutshell. If the market's going to go up, if the price of a currency pair is going to go up, and we know this and we have a good idea, right, because that's part of the education. We teach you how to recognize the trend, and you want to you be on the same side as the bank. The bank is buying. You want to buy like the, you want to put, put a trade in to buy. Because the banks move the market. If they're buying and you can see the orders and the market's going up, buy. If you can see the banks are starting to take sell off positions and they're moving the market down, sell. We make money if the market goes up or down. And, and we, we teach these concepts because a lot of people hear something foreign and think it's a scam. Right? Or they don't, they don't, they're not familiar with it. I say don't fear what you don't know. Right. Learn a little bit more about it. Right. Just become become more curious. Just Google Forex, foreign exchange market, you know, and, and you'll see 
that, wow, it is the largest market in the, in the planet. Google cryptocurrency. But what is cryptocurrency? Digital currency. Everybody on this line should be familiar with Bitcoin, right? It's a digital currency, right? It's not worldwide. It's not uh, globally accepted yet, but in many uh, airports and some restaurants, you start to see Bitcoin machines. So that's another market. That's another trillion dollar market. The market itself, the global, the financial market, the 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 forex market is six point eight trillion dollars that's transacted every single day. Right? You add cryptocurrency on top of it, it's another trillion dollars. That's seven point eight trillion dollars that's transacted every day. And the global stock market is two hundred and fifty billion, two hundred and sixty billion. So in my opinion, the stock market is like throwing a bucket of water in the ocean compared to the forex market. But ask yourself, did you know about that? And then ask yourself, why didn't you? And and that's why you know conversations like what we're having today can 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 uncover some of those things that you don't know about and don't be afraid of it. Um, and I would say to keep and I'll turn it over to to, to turn it back to you, DJ, just to kind of have uh, you know any some interaction here. Um, you you got to be disciplined, right? When whenever I don't care if you're doing stocks forex or whatever the case may be there are three keys to kind of really doing you know any type of investing uh, it's not a get rich quick thing i'm telling you that right now yes you can use the forex market to collapse time frame so maybe you're starting later in night life and start in terms of investing and i know a lot of times you know a good return in the stock market might be double digits 10 11 a year i can tell you personally from from our my community that we're trading, our, we have a community of traders. Many people do three, four, five percent. That's the average daily return on on the trades that they're there, that they're executing, right? But you you still have to think long term, right? A lot of times we we overestimate <laughs> what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in three or four or five years. So if you take a long term perspective. And three or four or five years are going to come anyway. And if you are able to learn a skill set where you control, you press the buy button and sell button and you control it and just get small profits out the market over time, right? 1% a day, 2% a day, whatever your goal is, you'll be able to have a nice nest egg and catch up. A lot of us are playing, playing catch up from 2008, right? So the first thing is delayed gratification. The second is a long-term focus. Because again, it's not get rich quick. It's not get it's 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 get rich it's get rich slow, but not 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 it's, it's get rich slow. So get rich consistently, right? So and the so, last thing, okay. the last thing is uh, compound interest. If you understand compound interest, I think it was uh, Ben Franklin said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Those who understand it earn it, and those who don't. Pay it. So if you have a mortgage, a student loan, a car loan, you're paying compound interest. Forex allows you, and investing in general allows you to flip it, where you start to get have compound interest uh, working your favor. Um, so I, I'll pause right there, man. Turn it back over to Destry uh, to see if you got if you have any comments on that, and I, I love to, you know, if there are any questions, I, I can address some of those as well. 
That's a bit. Doc, Doc, I, Doc, I know you itching over there. Doc, Doc got another servant coming. No, I just wanted him because there's, you know, there's all of these trading sort of programs that people for a while there was huge on the uh, late night. You could buy this system and learn how to uh, how to trade um, stocks and be a day trader. And mm-hmm. there are people who from this whole day trading on stocks uh, spent a bunch of money on the system and ended up uh, losing a bunch of money that they couldn't afford to lose. And so, again, we talked about the idea of, hey, you're working with this is money outside of the money that you need to operate the household and all the rest of this. This is the same way you will with Uber, by the way. Right? <clears throat> you're doing the side hustle with Uber to earn yeah. on the side outside of the mm-hmm. money that you, if you spend in the Uber money, just like you would everything else, yeah. now you, you're defeating the purpose, right? So yeah. my point, what my question is, how does this differ, the Forex market uh, style of trading uh, in comparison to what uh, day trading um, that people might've heard about with uh, stocks? Absolutely. So the difference between investing in the foreign exchange market versus investing in stocks. Let's just take uh, Apple. One of my good friends, uh, he hit me up today. He's like, man, uh, Apple's about to do a one for four stock split. What should I do? Should I buy more? It's selling at $468 per share. So if you want a meaningful amount of Apple, (laughs) you have to, $468 if I want a thousand shares, well, you can do the math. That's that's a lot. If I want a hundred shares, even that's pretty significant. Ten shares is already over four grand. So, the, with the stock, you have to have the amount of purchase ready to go, right? With forex, you get a chance to leverage, right, and use what's called margin. That your broker, your foreign exchange broker, be it uh, you know, I, I, there are some that are look that are domiciled in the United States. Many are not. Um, they give you what's called leverage. It might be one for 50. So your $1 has $50 of purchase, purchasing power. That's in the United States, that's the cap, one for 50. Um, if you're outside of the United States, it might be one to 200 or one to 500. So if you had a thousand, if you had a hundred dollars, you're able to purchase 500 times your $100 balance. So and even on that stock, because some of these foreign exchange brokers uh, allow you to buy uh, stock through their platform. So I wouldn't even need $468 to buy a share of stock and I'm trading stocks. So I'm not trying to own it. If I'm trading it through that platform, I'm able to capitalize on the move of that stock and, and take profit and get out. Whereas you still own the stock and all you can do and without, you know, without having a, a tax consequence, all you can really do is hope that the stock continues to go up. I can short Apple. I mean, I can sell. I can sell Apple. I can short the market and take profit when it decides to pull back. So that, that there's one difference. There is you. You don't need the full purchasing price. That full. Uh, uh, you don't have to pay that full dollar amount for that share. You can buy uh, what's called a lot or many lots uh, of that same same uh, stock through your through your foreign exchange broker platform. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I, I would say that the, the the stock market, the stock market operates from you know 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, or 8:15, 8:30, to 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 3, 3:15, right? But the foreign exchange market, money doesn't sleep. It's 24 hours, 
a day, five and a half days a week, right? So that means that anytime that I want to, I can go into the market and if I see a good trade setup, I can place a place a place an order. I can make a trade. Well, if I wanted to buy that stock, I have to wait until the market opens the next day, right? Um, and if I wanted to short the market, I can do all of that with the click of a button. And those are some of the major differences. Um, stock people who buy stock who go long stock, they're not necessarily trying to to uh, get in and out the market unless you're a day trader and you know things of that sort. But I would say with those who are day trading stocks and using a, 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 a traditional broker that's domiciled here in the United States, there are probably caps on what you can and can in terms of being a high frequency trader uh, or, or you, you, there are some limitations in doing that, right? And some of the fees are pretty, uh, in terms of your commission, your, the, your, on the way in, you pay a commission, on the way out, you pay a commission. That doesn't really exist in the foreign exchange market. You might have to pay what's called a spread, right? That's the difference between the bid and the ask. There's no commission. You you buy and sell all day long. Uh, and I can get more. I can get deep in the weeds, but it's just easier to transact in the foreign exchange market uh, and using foreign, you know, buying foreign currency or uh, currency versus buying a stock. True. Uh, um, DJ, I'm gonna throw it to you real quick, but I do, um, I do want to uh, just kind of throw in some some layman's uh, knowledge uh, because, like I said, the three people that we got, we got Destrian Wells of D Wells Consult, we got Doctor Loving of Loving Consulting, we got James Vassar, uh, who is a forex almost expert. He doesn't want to call himself. <laughs> say, he don't want to call himself an expert yet, so I'm not gonna be the one to do it. But I did almost call him Doctor earlier, so he's <laughs> he fit he fit start working on his doctorate. But I do want to uh, I do want to point this out because this is something um, that I you know I found out once I got into stocks. You know, I, like I said, I started out small. You know, putting. I started out with acorns. That was my first, you know, first thing. And I started out with acorns where, you know, you take your, your chump change and you invest into it. But um, yep. in the United States, a day trader is legally by the SEC deemed as someone who performs more than three day trades per week. And you are required by the SEC to hold at least $25,000 uh, of equity in your account. Um mm. There are ways around it. And, you know, you know, we all probably, you know, as far as the people, you know, that are, you know, that know a lot about or, you know, know things about the investment, there are ways around it. Like I know people who have, you know, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars in multiple, you know, accounts with different yeah. brokers and mm -hmm. they, they, they perform what's called swing trade. So today I might hop in my E-Trade account. I'll perform two, you know, day trades. Because the, the thing about it is, it's, it's like that threshold. As long as I don't perform more than three, I'm never considered a day trader and I'm, and I'm not required to have that 25000 in there. It literally is like if you go to any of your brokerage account platforms and once you hit that threshold, they will, they will lock you down and say, you're day trading, you're a day trader, we need you to put you know, 25,000 in here, we need you to abide by these rules. So there's ways around it, obviously, of course, because they're like, you know, we all black and we've heard the colloquial uh, 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 sentence of, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, you know, there are people out here skinning multiple cats. So I just wanted to put that out there. When we're talking about day trading and things of that nature, um, just because you go in like today, I went in today and I bought uh, I bought, uh, increased my position in several of my stock holdings. And, you know, James, you kind of alluded to it is when you're holding something, it's I'm going to buy this stock at this price 
and I'm going to hold on to it in hopes that it's going to go up and maybe later on down the line I can sell it, you know, especially if it's not a dividend paying stock. Like I said uh, earlier, I, I invest, you know, a lot in dividends because that's money coming in that's most of the time going to be more than what the bank's going to give me. The bank, most banks, 90% of banks right now are going to give you 1% interest on your money. That's a fact. Like, you know, I'm, I bank with one of the best banks in America right now because they don't have physical branches, Ally. So Ally was always ahead of the curve when it came to interest percentage. And I've literally watched them lower the interest every single quarter for the past two years, maybe. Mainly, you know, right now. And banks are hurting. Uh, Doc and DJ and I, myself, we own we own a holding company together and one of our other members uh, works for one of the top five banks in America right now. And so we have a lot of privy to a lot of information to where, you know, he lets us in, you know, he lets he lets us in the insight and you know what's going on and you know, Destrian and Doc have their insight with the financial. James has his insight with the financial. And we know what the, we know what it is right now. Um, let it. Let, let, it's, it's not no. It's not a secret that everybody's struggling right now. Large businesses are struggling. The common everyday person is struggling right now because this is something unprecedented. We've not seen this in our lifetimes. If we wanted to, if we wanted, if we wanted reference to what's going on right now we'd have to talk to somebody who was alive and well during 1918 perhaps during the spanish flu epidemic you know and yep. not only that we have other things that are you know already on top of that you know but you know right now coronavirus is the forefront but there's a lot of other things that are going on globally uh domestically that also contribute to that but that's all another conversation but i just wanted to point that out as far as um you know day trading there are actual you know, uh, criteria for you to be considered a day trader. Just because you hop in your Robinhood account and you buy, you know, $25 worth of, you know, a penny stock, and then you, you know, at the end of the day, it went up, you sell it, you're not a day trader. You <laughs> got to do that at least three times in that day, you know, for for them to lock your account and be like, hey, you day trade, my man. Because there's a thing called swing trading. You can Google it and kind of learn about it. And one of the, uh, one of the resources I want to put out to everybody right now is Investopedia. It has a wealth of information for free. You know, if you're not exactly comfortable with coming to someone and saying, here's my lack of knowledge, I want to know, start out at Investopedia. You yeah. know, it's it's you know it's a very great place to start, and you know I'm I'm pretty sure everybody here will agree with me. It's it's a great place to start out to get you some base knowledge. Besides going to YouTube University and listening to somebody talk to you, Investopedia is very straightforward, simple. You know, with you know with information like that. But I'm gonna throw it to you, uh, DJ, because you wanted to ask James a specific question that you wanted him to answer. Yeah, and, and then one more resource before you do that you can also go to what's called Baby Pips P I P S babypips.com you can get a lot of good resources uh, a lot of good information in terms of learning really more about the foreign exchange market i'm actually an educator for my community and uh i teach on a daily on a daily basis a nightly basis uh, in fact i, I go three times a day so even for the novice trader the person who just doesn't have no idea about the foreign exchange market um and we don't just invest in currencies there we buy indices which is stocks, you know, the Dow, the NAS, the S&P, but we show you kind of how to identify these patterns so that you can always go into a mar the market, make an educated decision using proper risk management, 
and, and feel comfortable in your trade. And only two things are going to happen. Either you're going to make money, whatever your small profit goal was for the day, or you're going to take that small lesson based on your one or 3% that you're willing to risk. That's it. And we show and teach that every single night. Um, and then also about the swing trading. There's about three types of styles of trading. Swing trading is more longer term. You're going to hold a trade for maybe a few days, right? Maybe a week, maybe a couple of weeks, right? Um, then there's intraday trading. That's where you're probably in and out the market within a session. You know, the market moves around the world 24 hours a day. So money moves around the world. So there's three major sessions. There's the New York session, which happens from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Asian session starts from 4 a.m. I'm sorry, 4 p.m. and goes about to about 1 a.m. And then there's an overlap, and the London session starts at 2 a.m. and goes until 10 10 a.m. the next day. So you're able to uh, uh, a swing. Uh, an intraday trader is going to trade and be in and out the session, maybe within a few hours. And then there's the scalper who's in and out the market within minutes, right? You might have heard, maybe some people are familiar with or heard of bi bi binary options. You're literally in and out of a trade in, in a minute, two minutes, right? And those are some of the things that you can learn. You know, you have to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. But so those are some of the things that is, is, it, it would behoove you to really learn how to do these things because there's huge opportunities. Um, and I would say the last thing before I go back over to you, Desperate, is that um, – you know, there are different laws based on where your broker is domiciled. So the United yeah. States is more heavily regulated, but you can open a broker. There are thousands of them that are that will accept U.S. clients overseas. Right. And so there's some different uh, laws that you can or uh, different uh, uh, resources that you can use to still not be dubbed a uh, day trader. Right. Because we I mean, I, I I would definitely be a day trader. I I'd place, you know three or four trades in a, in a day or might close out in an hour and place and see the move go back the other way and place more trades. So, um, you know, I would say typically you're trading multiple times a day, um, depending on, on your trading style. So with that, I, I'll, I'll turn it back over to your desk. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Um, I, I think this is invaluable information for a number of reasons and anyone that's listening and then anyone listening um, post recording, I think they will take away the information. There's a few things that I wanted to highlight here. Um, and then I'm going to ask a question. Some of the things I wanted to highlight was simply this. Again, running your life as a business. We have to become more business oriented as a culture. There is no avoiding it. You know, if we look at what's traditionally happened to our community, you know, we we often depend on things that we we can't depend on because we need predictive measures. We can't yeah. predict who's going to be the president. We can't predict who's going to be whatever. <clears throat> but the only thing we can control is our activity as individuals. If we can monitor, control our activity as individuals, and then extend that to our families, we have a more predictive model of results for our people, right? And so that's one of the things that I want to encourage and get to. What I hear you saying what I hear AJ and Dr. Loving saying is if we, if we package those things, these are more predictable results. So, you know, we, we, we take what we know. We are honest about what it is we don't know. And we fill that gap with people that we trust. Now we're moving in one direction, you know, and, and that's the economic base that we want to get to. That's the value system 
as a community that we want to get to. And I think those things are important. But I know, um, I know by running certain groups, everyone wants to say, show me. So I have had several conversations with you, and I know that you've had peers, colleagues, um, students that you've brought on that have started with very nominal amounts of money, you know, um, and you, you, you expressed to me and even given me a personal display of a student that you've had. And I was, I was wowed by it. So if you could share that story with folks about how a student of yours started, let's say, uh, I, I believe the amount was roughly $500. And over the course of a year and a half, that student was able to expand and move that into what and how were they able to do it just so yeah, some of the folks on the call tonight can hear that and say, well, wait, okay, so I don't need $100,000 to start. Um, we talked about barriers to entry. And I think this would really tear down um, the barrier to entry conversation as it relates to the Forex market, but also it's a, it's a comparative analysis to just investing in general, right? You have to start sure. somewhere and participation is important. So if you could share that with us around the, uh, some of the folks that you've helped along the way. Absolutely. I, I, I'm proud of the fact that I can, I can honestly say that I help nurture a seven-figure trader right now. And we're still partners to this, to this day. He actually, uh, he, he leads our uh, London session at uh, 3 a.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. And you guys, I can share that link. And you guys can hop out, hop on that, and you can, if you, if you're up, you can make money with them. Um, but I actually taught uh, one of my guys. Uh, he he was on my sessions. This was about almost three years ago when I first really just started to, you know, I would say really dive in, and I became like looked to as a, the foremost most expert for my group. And there's there's like a few thousand people in my our organization, and they just saw my consistent results, and they were hopping on my trading calls and you know one of my guys he actually started to we 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 had some one-on-one -on -one sessions he'd be on he asked questions and literally what he did was just take the information and be real real disciplined if he didn't see the trade he didn't take it he is real consistent and what that allowed him to do uh that we have a guest here uh they gotta learn we like we like guest speakers man uh right, Riley, right? <laughs> <laughs> Riley, Riley, what are pips? Train them up. <laughs> right. What what are pips? Money. What happens when uh what if you see a green candle? Which, which way is the market going? Up. And if you see a red a red candle, which way is the market going? Down. Yeah. What what what's the if the market's going up? What animal is that? A bull. And if the market's going down, what animal is that? Bear. There you go. All right, princess. That's what I'm. That's how you. <laughs> yes. That's how you know they practicing see, what that, they preach when they gentlemen. You just literally saw financial literacy in action. Listen, that's that, that's that, financial literacy in yeah. its in its purest form, and that's that that's right. that right there. Just that you know, it's less than a minute. That thirty seconds is more than what the vast majority of our community has ever been exposed to in their lifetimes. That's the truth yes. that we need to acknowledge amongst ourselves embrace it digest it and figure out a way to move past that this man literally just took that was a seconds. sermon he <laughs> <laughs> <It> preached <laughs> i'll leave the hey. preacher to you about the love man no that right <laughs> there that's all you needed right there <laughs> it's time to close it out man that's it <laughs>
Let's That's go, it. AJ. Close us out, man. Let's go around. But uh, we'll see you in the after show. They said a child. <laughs> a child should leave them. There you That's go. Right. That's right. But yeah, so. Just like that. Uh, that's how my guy hopped on. He was real disciplined, and, and he was able to um, – he actually retired from his job. Uh, he was doing retail sales. He was a manager, district manager, and he had owned a couple of small businesses. But he took the skill set. That's the most important thing, the skill set. And he, he just be, was real consistent. He grew his account from 500 bucks to over uh, – uh, he was over seven figures in 18 months. And and he wasn't the only one. So there's several people that have done the same thing. And uh, it's all about mastering skill set. And it doesn't have to take a, a whole lot. It's some simple concepts. I would say the three most important things to, to really uh, master is not the strategy. It's not uh, anything I'm going to teach you technically. Yes, that, those, are, those come quickly. It's really about mastering yourself. If you can be patient, if you can be disciplined, um, and consistent, those things go farther than anything else. Um, but just a simple uh, example, if you take a $500 account and you multiply that and you grow your account every single week by, or every single day by 3%, 3% and you're trading four days a week, let's just say, in the course of a uh, 26 week, half a year, you're already taking your $500 account to 20 grand. In the course of 52 weeks, that same $500 account is now over $700,000. So it, it didn't surprise me when he was able to do it. He was just real consistent and disciplined. And if you can, if you can trade emotionless, you, you'll make money in this market. And it doesn't take a long time. And you don't have to take big bets. So with that, I'm turning it back over to you, Jesse. I know we're probably at time or there's probably the after show. Looking forward to that as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, definitely looking to that. But I thought that was great, man. And, and again, that's that's the action item piece that, that we just saw with your daughter being able to come in. Man, Riley's gotten big real quick Damn. on me. <laughs> um, so, so good to see her. Good to see her. But um, um, AJ, AJ's having some technical issues. So okay. I'm going to, um, I'm going to take it around really quickly. Um, what we usually do at the end of the night, we do a recap, right? So we, we talk about the things that we've discussed and then we give everybody a chance to offer last comments. So, Let's try to keep them uh, 30 to 60 seconds, and then we'll reconvene in the after show. But as a recap for the night, this is what I heard personally, and I think that we've all taken away different things. But I think that where we are as a culture, we have a huge opportunity. And in light of the adversity that we're facing as a country, we have to find the opportunity in it. We can't wallow in what the what 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 any administration. It's not going to do for us. What are we going to do for ourselves becomes the question. We have, an, we have an extreme opportunity to come together, collaborate, support each other, but more importantly, economically benefit from doing those um, activities together, right? So my challenge to everyone who hears this call live and who hears this replay is support the businesses of your friends, right, that are doing things that are impactful in the communities that you're in. We can go to Gucci, Prada, you know, anybody else, and we'll spend our money there. So support your friends. Support that business that's actually going to do something for the community that you live in. Number two, find, find a person that you can give something back to. Pay it for. 
the lessons that you've learned, give that to someone else. Don't allow them to have to learn by trial and error. Give that to someone else. Number three, participate. This is the key ingredient for us to move forward uh, as individuals, but also as a community. Participation. Um, we, I often talk to uh, groups of people that I'm associated with around cooperative economics, and cooperative economics requires cooperation. It actually demands it. Cooperation is, is, is key as well. So participation and cooperation for the community is, is key. Uh, we've talked about several strategies tonight that we hope will offer an opportunity for you to choose some type of path to advance your efforts personally. Um, but with that, you know, I don't want to belong the time. What I'll do first, I'll come back to, uh, to Mr. Vassar and yes, uh, I'll ask him for any closing remarks. And then Dr. Levin will come to you. We'll reconvene in the after show. And at that point in time, I'm sure that AJ would have uh, rectified the uh, technical issue. <laughs> so, Mr. Vass, Mr. Vassar, thank you for joining yeah. us. Appreciate I it. Definitely appreciate it, brother. Um, I would love to have you as a more frequent guest. So any closing comments that you have just in general around the conversation we had tonight or the Forex market and alternative wealth building strategies? Absolutely. No. So first of all, thank you for having me. I, I would definitely love to be a guest again. Uh, my, my closing statements and closing comments are, you know, just don't be afraid of the unknown. Um, there, there are many, many things that we just don't know about and exposure is the key. But you have to be you have to be open. You know, they say that a, a parachute works best if it's open. And I think your mind has to be open. So if someone's bringing you a concept, even if it's foreign to you, you should at least, you know, do some due diligence on your own, you know, on your own and find out if that if that's for you. Uh, the Forex is not the only way to invest into uh, being able to grow your wealth is just an avenue. It's a way to diversify your portfolio because your broker is not going to do this for you, right? It's a way to take ownership of your, you know, participate in your own financial rescue. Um, and if you can understand these three concepts, delayed gratification, long-term focus, and compound interest, that's that's half the battle. Everything else we can teach you. So, and you don't have to start, I don't think I addressed this question, but you don't have to start with a lot. You can start, you can open up a brokerage account with $50. You can actually open a demo account that's just fake, you know, play money and practice until you get good and then, then invest your money. So there's ways of ways to get this skill set. So I would say you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. And, and that's, that's, that's my, my closing comments. I appreciate yeah. tonight. Hey, Dr. Yes. Levin, before I come to you, let me, let me just kind of fill the gap real quick. I'm going to be really brief because I, I want Dr. Levin to be, uh, be the closer here. Um, I talk a lot about this on most calls, and I'm going to talk about it again tonight because I think it it warrants the uh, the message. If you follow me, if you listen to any of the other calls, I talk about three aspects of life that I constantly want to be engaged in: empowerment, engagement, and execution. Right. So that's that's my that's that's my hallmark. That's my way of moving forward. Dr. Loving is people are more important than things. I have adapted that 
to my life, but as it relates to empowerment engagement. Whoa, 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 whoa. I oh, hate to inter- I hate I hate to interrupt you. And he's back. <laughs> no, <I> look. <laughs> well, I've been back, back for a minute, but look, I'm 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 look to 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 be one hundred percent transparent, I keep bouncing back and forth between my uh my my Wi Fi extender and my, my router. So but um, this is the first time in this whole time we've been on this, somebody has mentioned our key phrase of people are more important than things. Cheers, mm-hmm. gentlemen. Doc, I've been waiting on it. <laughs> Doc, I've been waiting on it. It, I it, was, it was coming. I, I, know, I, I love the I, said it first. I know it was coming, but Destria said it first. So as usual, we got to cheers to that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never joined us before, people are more important than things. They are. Carry on. I'm done. <laughs> Say carry I on. appreciate it. I love so, you know, I think that if we're going to operate at a high level, I'm not telling you that you have to adopt what my philosophy is, but let me just explain it and what it is and whatever you glean from it is fine. Empowerment, engagement, execution, right? So empowerment, what can I do today to empower the people within my sphere of influence to, 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 to react, respond, to be better? than they were yesterday. And that includes me. So I expect the same thing from the people that are around me. Engagement. Are we actively engaged in business building activities and wealth building activities and life building activities, relationship building activities? It's all about, engagement is all about building, right? So in that aspect, are we growing our personal networks? Are we growing our professional networks? Are we doing the things that are viable to, to have longevity in terms of practical business application outside of a corporate entity. Because again, we don't know when we need to insulate ourselves. And then the final piece is empowerment, right? I'm sorry, execution. As relates to execution, now we're looking at who in my network is the expert in this. So as you see tonight, we have James on. I can't talk about Forex in the level of detail that James can. We can both talk about finance. But you have to know what you don't know. Pull people in for your execution phase. You don't have to be the expert. All you have to do is partner with someone who is. You can mutually benefit from that. And you expand your relationship. And then those ties run deeper. We want deeply rooted relationships so they're not uprooted by nominal change. Right? And so my message to our community tonight in closing is, you know, whether it's empowerment, engagement, or execution, what is your personal philosophy for building and developing relationships that are, um, I wouldn't even say COVID-proof, but they're, they're recession-proof, right? So we want to make sure that we're doing things in a manner that is protected. If you're not trying to put yourself out of business, someone else is, and they will. So, so, so find ways to think about how would I put myself out of business? The first step is the relationship. It's the first to fall. It's not going to be your performance. It's not going to be any of those things. Great relationships will allow poor performance for a period of time. And then you're going to have to get your act together. But we need to get the relationship right. Define that scope. Define what that looks like. And ultimately, you end up in a more beneficial situation that's mutually beneficial and more advantageous for you and your entire network. Because James is here for our entire network as an extension of me. And I will certainly be there for him as an extension of him whenever he needs me. And to be honest and quite frank, um, 
Dr. Loving, um, AJ, how many times have you guys met in person since we started this podcast and started this journey? How many times have you guys physically seen each other? I want. I would like to answer that question, Bob. Um, Dr. Loving and I own a business together. <laughs> Dr. Loving, I work for Dr. Loving. Dr. Loving and I have never, ever met in person. How did you come together? We were networked together by you, and now Dr. Loving is a part of my power circle. Exactly. This is the power of networking. Yeah. I've never actually shaken hands with this man, but because of the strength of the relationship that he had with Destrian and the strength of the relationship that I had with Destrian, he connected the two dots. Y'all like how y'all like how I threw that together. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Even though we haven't actually met, we have shared a lot. So that's I think yeah. that's a, that's the uh mo- the, that is the most important thing. And the most important thing I think that happened tonight was the thing that happened between James and, and Riley. Like this is when we talk about people being more important than things and the family unit and its importance and its structure and the things that we pass on, the fact that that child could run those, run this off so quickly, just lets you know that she's paying attention to, to in, with something that's going to be potentially extraordinarily impactful habits, for her already habits is. and inherited exactly and right inherited. so yeah. th- you know he james could james could build a vast fortune that could be completely decimated in a short period of time if he raised an undisciplined child who didn't care and didn't understand it wasn't ready and all the rest of these things but he's preparing that child Right. Right. And I think we people who love one another prepare one another. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. We're preparing one another for opportunities that are going to come. Now, Forex uh, may very well be the opportunity that you've been waiting for. It may not. But you see something that's different about the way that James presented it versus what you'll hear from other people about. Oh, well, you know, this is the this is the get this is the quick money. This is the slick money. This is the money that's going to get it, it. Don't worry about your financial problems. Throw your money. No, no. Don't yep. build your house on sinking sand. Right. When people are when people are coming at you, right, they're going to hit you with things that that make sense. And aren't, you know, aren't wishing well, you know, uh, this is the way that, that, that we can throw something together quick and dirty type. No, man, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take effort, but it's also extraordinarily potentially rewarding. You don't know when you take you a mustard seed and plant it that it's going to grow. Right. right? You don't know that with any seed. You just know the process and you know the ingredients and you've seen it done and you replicate it. And if you're fastidious about it and do it right, you mess around and with a mustard seed, you you got a mustard plant. Yep. And many mustard seeds that that come because of it. Hold on, Doc. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Doc. Hold on, Doc. Hold on, Doc. Hold on, Doc. Because you already know how I normally do. You already know how I normally do for my for my for my layman's people out here. You said uh fastidious. Give me, give me, give me, give me three seconds because Google is going to let us know what fastidious <laughs> truly is. 
Fastidious. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you Fastidious uh, out, is man. very attentive to and concerned about accuracy and detail. Uh, for that, doc, 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 wrap up so we go to the after show, man. All I'm, all I'm saying is, if if you are, if you are a good and faithful servant, and you do what you're supposed to do with the right, <laughs> with the right information that's out there, then you will, then you will be able to yield good fruit. Right. And that's yeah. what we're about. And it doesn't surprise me that we got a bunch of sisters on here listening because women are the ones who 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 care so much about driving. In many cases, the the the, uh, the family in a, in a positive direction. I'm sure we can go in and talk about this in the after show to whatever degree we want to. But I'm just saying, like, when you think about the the future of the family and the opportunities that they're going to have it's about you framing things in the right way keeping your mind open and preparing yourself and your family to be able to participate in these opportunities in the rate in the way that makes sense and can work for you and that's why it's important to control the foolish things that can be controlled and ought to be controlled because if you don't then you miss out on opportunities like these so with that I, I hand it over to you, AJ. We can talk about uh, whatever in the after show, but this was a really exciting one. Thank you for coming, James. I appreciate it. And make sure that they have a way to contact and get the information about how to get the ball rolling with this because it's one thing to have to have the uh, the information, but you always want people to be able to go ahead and get started. That's, that's, that's my opinion on that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Any questions on what I said? You know, I reached that support at globalfxtradeclub.com. Support at globalfxtradeclub.com. Also, that same name, Global FX Trade Club. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, and then we'll definitely uh, reach out to me. We'll we'll get you get you in the right direction. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, thank you for that. Um, in typical fashion, I will close out uh, and we will migrate to the after show. Everybody is welcome to stay on. Uh, once we get to the after show, um, you can turn please your cameras them, on. Please please let them know what the after show is about. The after show is where we, uh, we, we take off the reins and we let everyone run free. There, you know, it is, oh. it is a very open forum. There are, cussing. there's no, there's cussing. no holes barred. There's cursing. There is colloquial, uh, 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 language and things of that nature. Uh, but you are welcome to stay on. You can turn your cameras on if you want to. Just for everybody's reference point, um, this call is being recorded. That's why everyone is muted now. Um, this is a, a Brethren podcast episode, so we'll be released in audio format only. We are not releasing video format. Um, so, you know, just, just a heads up. And the after show will also be audio only. Um, so you are welcome to join in, you know, talk freely with us. Um, and you know, you, but, the, but it'll only be audio. It won't be video. So if you, if you, if you feel some kind of way about you, the way, you know, you got your bonnet on, uh, you know, you, you, you eating chips or whatever. Cause I saw Ken, I saw Ken killing some chips over there, man. man, man, man <laughs> bag of hey, hey, listen, also, also we're in a dual consist state. So if we don't get, um, if we don't get written signatures, we can't allow, visual mm-hmm. images of anyone released for anything. So I'm not opening myself up to any litigation whatsoever. <laughs> I don't have that. Um, so I'm going I'm to be real with y'all. I'm black and uh, we don't be knowing about all these rules. So uh, if you own here, if you own here, you, uh, you consent, you know, I'm doing y'all like six flags. If you bought a ticket, you, 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 you with it. Okay. 
You parked your car in my park. You look. You parked your car in my parking lot. You with it. You might get robbed. That's hey, how we do it. Hey, my name on brethren. Um, <laughs> listen, not yours. Your L- your LLC name is, so we all protected. Oh, uh, okay. We're good then. We're good. Listen, Thank everybody. Listen. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my my my, my quick recap like I normally do, and then we'll move on. Um, I just want to point out. You know, I just want to go over some quick tips and tricks that we went over. I want to, you know, acknowledge everybody that joined us as a live uh, viewer. This is the first time we've ever done this. Uh, and I appreciate everybody's uh, input um, and support. We will definitely do this again. Um, James Vassar may possibly become the fourth member of Brethren Podcast. We do not know. That may be discussed in the after show. Um, but I want everybody to understand, um, uh, as when we talked about culture vultures, uh, take a word from one of the great poets of our times, Pastor Troy. You can't pimp me. I'm going to pimp myself. <laughs> uh, DJ also pointed out that equity equals ownership equals freedom. Um, and always remind yourself that we do not come from a lineage of waste and futility. Um, contrary to popular belief, we were not all kings and queens, but we did not all come from a lineage of waste and futility. No matter where you were in the social construct of wherever your ancestors came from, we as melanin, melanin abundant people were never wasteful and we were never futile. So always remember that. You don't have to keep telling yourself that we were all kings and queens ruling Africa because we weren't, you know, but we were never wasteful and we were never futile. Um, a few resources besides the Global FX Trade Club, which James Vassar is a, uh, is a, is a founder and a, a owner of. Um, I want to encourage everybody to take a look at Personal Capital and Mint, M-I-N-T. Those are two platforms where you can uh, congregate and aggregate uh, your finances to get a, you know, to get a, to get a rundown of where things are going. Um, I, I, I used Mint before in the past. I just recently started with personal capital where personal capital kind of geared towards knowing what your net worth is. And uh, I'm a big proponent of knowing what your net worth is uh, because as long as you know what your net worth is, you know what you're worth. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just good to know uh, because, you know, you got people, you know, a lot of times when it comes to um, getting into investing and things of that nature, you may see the question on the survey of what is your net worth? And a lot of people just don't know. So they guess you know, oh, I own this, I own this, but, you know, if you pay in a car note, you don't own it. It's not an asset. So personal capital and men are two apps that are pretty easy and straightforward that'll kind of give you an idea of that. And do not be ashamed of what you see when you put your things in. I'll be honest with you because this is an open forum. I put all of my information in there. I'm worth about $15,000. That's not including my 401ks because once you put them in there, hey, I'm balling, but I got to die. So let's be real about it. <laughs> know, hey, know your net worth. So don't be ashamed when you put it in and you see that you're not worth, you know, what you think that you should be worth. It's not an indication of what, what you're worth. It's an indication of what's currently happening. And that's just being real. You know, you know, you, everybody got bills, you know, families, things of that nature, assets and liabilities. So when you put that stuff in there, don't be surprised when it comes back and tells you only worth $5,000. You're worth something. And now you know how to build on it. Because honestly, I, I started, it told me I've built my wealth $3,000 during this quarantine. That's something to, you know, to be celebrated amongst myself. You know, I'm proud of that. Were we not in the quarantine? I don't know what would have happened, but, you know, it's just some, you know, just some truth and some information to pass out there. 
Uh, but just also be self-aware, man. And, you know, that goes to the personal capital to mint thing. Be, per, be, be, be self-aware of, you know, where you stand. Um, Ken, I appreciate you for your question and, and your honesty was like, hey, where do I start? And that's, a, that's the question a lot of people have. Where do I start? Be honest with yourself. Hey, I'm putting $5, you know, $5 a month into this account. You know, what should I do with it? You know, ask yourself those questions. Reach out to people who you trust. Um, and if you don't have these people in your life, go back and listen to our previous episodes on power circles. Um, and, and, and those episodes where you build that find people that you trust, people that you can talk to people that you can get, you know, advice from sound life advice, because even if James D Wells and Dr. Loving weren't financial experts in their own fields. Uh, based on their position in life, I would feel comfortable with asking them for, you know, over or know how, you know, because I see the moves that they make in their lives. And I trust that, you know, I don't have to necessarily copy and paste what they've done because it doesn't apply to everybody. But what I do know is that, hey, these people are doing good. They are taking care of their families. And that's the same things that I do. Our goals and our morals align. And, you know, you know, I'm going to do my, you know, I'm going to copy and paste as much as I can. I'm not going to plagiarize, but I'll source, I'll source this article. You know, we all been there. So um, MPA, MPA uh, format. Exactly. So I just want to, I want to thank everybody for joining us, you know, on the, got, on, on you got, this. You got loving, you got loving trying to get at you. You better get hey, it. Hey, go ahead, Doc. Hold on. Let me, let me unmute you. Go ahead, Doc. No, I'm plagiarized. Like, that's the thing, man. Like, when somebody's doing something right, copy it. Don't you, exactly sometimes, and then you might be able to improve, improve on it too. Hey, doc, but doc. ain't nothing wrong with completely copying. Doc. doc, no, 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 no. Hey, especially forex, man. Hold on, let's be real, doc. I can't copy and paste what you do because you are rich, doc. Okay, I can't take. Uh, I can't take. I can't take thousands of dollars and invest in different things uh, because, you know, I'm a financial planner extraordinaire. I'm not, you know, I can't copy and paste that. Man, now no. I can't. Now, look, I can take that same formula and take some ducats, some small ducats, man, and see man. if it works. <laughs> let me let me tell you about Ajamu Lovin, pre-Dr. Lovin, man. I've, I've, I've been through some scrapes, man. I don't I, I, <laughs> I'm coming up on what they call the rough side of the mountain. Hey, get out of here. Hey, get get out of here. Hey, hey man, listen, listen. I'm doing my best listen. to make it in. Like, I have, hey, everybody. I have, had, I have been buked and scorned in banks while, while asking for, for loans and other things. I no. have had bad no. credit. I have had, I have had a car repossessed. From a closed garage, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is the exact point in time where we always move immediately to the after show because at this point, oh, I thought we did it already. (laughs) Exactly. That's why. That's exactly why. That's exactly why. That was good. That's, I was look, about, that's exactly I was about why. to start cussing. I'm glad you said that, something. Look, okay. That is, look, that is exactly why. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate all of you for tuning in. Definitely, you are free to stay for the after show. The way that we move into the after show is we, you know, we typically do about 10 seconds of silence. That is for me as the producer and the engineer to know that it's time for to cut it. So, 
in true Brethren fashion, we appreciate you all for joining us. We hope that you are enlightened in some sense. Feel free to reach us on all of our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Brethren Pod. That's B R E. A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. You can find Destrian Wells at dwellsconsulting.com. You can find Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. C.F.P. at ajamuloving.com. You can find James Vassar, soon-to-be doctor, at Global FX Trade Club uh, on Facebook and social media. And you can find myself at 248MMBB on Instagram. You can also find me at mmbbgw.com. And you can find and follow the Brethren Podcast, like I said, at B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D on Instagram and Facebook. We appreciate you all. We love you all. And we have your best interests at heart. At heart. <laughs> we love you and good night.